Nation, there's so many reasons out there to start taking notes on the Rocketbook. I'll list a few. One, it's a reusable notebook. When you've finished with your notes and you've scanned them into their app, you can simply just moisten the page and then wipe off with a microfiber and you can reuse that page over and over again. The best feature about the Rocketbook is you can search your notes. You will never lose a note again, which means you don't have to go back and do the valuable work you've already done because you can't find it. It is absolutely one of my favorite tools. Go to our affiliate link, scalinguph2o.com forward slash Rocketbook to take 15% off your first order of $20 or more and never lose a note again. Welcome to Scaling Up H2O, the podcast where we scale up on knowledge so we don't scale up our systems. I'm Trace Blackmore. I get to host this fantastic podcast, and it's fantastic because so many of you out there, the Scaling Up Nation, make the podcast great because you send information in to me about what you want to hear, what you want to hear talked about, questions to get answered, and people you want me to interview. Now, in previous episodes, I have talked a little bit about finances, and many of you have responded back to me wanting to know more foundational principles. So I've invited a guest today that I know you are going to love. He's one of my trusted advisors. But before we get to that, I want to talk about some of the things that are coming up in our water treatment community. Of course, one of my favorite things to attend is the Association of Water Technologies Annual Convention and Expo. That's going to be September 22nd through 25th in Providence, Rhode Island. And if you are a business owner, come one day early so you can attend the Business Owners Conference. So much to go on both events. They're packing them right one after the other. So again, if you're a business owner, you want to come one day early. And if you are in the industrial water treatment industry, in the same industry that I am, you definitely want to come to the AWT convention. So as you register for that, also don't forget to register for the business owner series that we are doing in conjunction with AWT. That's where we take business topics. We do a webinar where you can ask your questions at the end and you will leave with handles, things you can carry from that webinar directly to your day-to-day -day business and start doing that very second. Our next business owners series is going to feature Michael Wardy, and Michael is going to teach us everything we need to know about transitioning your business. Now, maybe you're like me and you're nowhere close to transitioning your business. You have no desire to stop doing what you are doing, and you're thinking, I do not need to attend this. Here's what I want you to think about. The better you can run your company, the better your company will be. The easier it will be to run your company. 
And the more data you have and the easier it is to get that data, the happier you will be and the happier all your people will be. One of the ways to get to that point is to treat your company as if it was ready to sell at any given moment. Now, our friend Marty Stevens on episode 205 used this very analogy when we go to sell our car. When we go to sell a car, we want to make sure it is as clean as it possibly can be. All the cracks and crevices have absolutely no dirt in them, and we call that showroom ready. We're going to get top dollar for that car if it's in that condition, but how do we feel about driving that car even if we're not selling it? There's just something about driving an immaculately clean car. It's shiny. It just feels better. It rides better. I don't know what it is, but I know you know exactly what I am talking about. Well, apply that line of thinking to your business. The business rides better. I promise you it will. And we're going to learn all about that from Michael Wardy. That's going to be on October 29th. So if you are interested in that, I urge you to register by going to scalinguph2o.com forward slash business to learn everything you need to know about transitioning your business. Speaking of business, as I have run mine for the last however many years, I learned that I need to run it with the help of my friends. Now, that was a lesson that I had to learn. When I first started, I thought I needed to do everything myself. In fact, that's how I thought a good owner was a good owner because they knew how to do everything and they actually did everything. And the more I immerse myself in people that knew what they were doing around business, and that was primarily in masterminds and other groups like that, I learned that successful people didn't have to know everything. In fact, what they needed to know is somebody that knew more about them about the topic. And they found experts in all these various topics so they could call that person let them know what was going on. And in addition to learning what to do, they also got the experiences that that other person had. Folks, if you are not in some sort of group where you can share experiences as well as advice, life is just too hard. The things that get thrown at us are too hard to do it alone. So I urge you to join a group. We have the Rising Tide Mastermind. You can find out all about that by going to scalinguph2o.com forward slash mastermind, or you can find another group. The point is you are going to get so much out of a group like that. Don't suffer through trying to find out mistakes on your own. So in my story, I found that me being able to do everything myself was the exact thing I did not want to do, and I found people that could help me with what I needed to make better decisions on. They gave me counsel, they gave me advice, and they also gave me their friendship. 
You're going to hear from one of those friends today. Ladies and gentlemen, here is our CFO, Mike Iverson. Scout Up Nation, we have a returning lab partner today. I'm here to welcome our CFO, Mike Iverson of Trillium. Mike, how are you today? I'm doing great, Trace. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. M- Mike, I can't thank you enough for how you've helped me throughout the years. Uh, I was looking back, you were one of my first guests. You helped me out with the podcast. You were in the mastermind group that helped me decide that we were going to do this podcast four years ago. You were one of the first people that recommended some of the podcasts that I should listen to. John Lee Dumas, Entrepreneurs on Fire, one of my favorite podcasts, that came from you. Uh, That was all four years ago. And can you believe that you were on almost four years to the day, episode 11, back in July of 2017? Wow. No, I did not. Time flies, right? So yeah, we're well over 200 episodes now. And it all started because a couple of people in a group of trusted advisors said, Trace, you need to do this thing. Indeed. Yes. And you sure have taken it to another level too. So congratulations on that. Well, I appreciate the encouragement. I know uh, we're trying to get you to start a podcast, but I won't go into that here. I don't want to give you any pressure, but the world is waiting for a Mike Iverson podcast. Well, thank you. Well, we'll have to keep working on that for sure. Well, Mike, uh, it's been four years since you've been on the show. Well, kind of, sort of. You, you've you been helping out the Rising Tide Mastermind. You came on last year. You talked to us about the EIDL, the PPP, and it was just incredible. All, all of our businesses within the Rising Tide Mastermind learned so much through you, and, and we now knew how to navigate that client. So I want to thank you for doing that. Oh, my pleasure. My pleasure. It's uh it was a trying time for all of us, and I'm hoping that we have a lot of that in our rearview mirror today. You and me both. Well, Mike, there might be some people that are just tuning in for the first time, and they're they're listening to Mike Iverson. Who's Mike Iverson? <laughs> who, who is this clown? Who well, is not? I, I just, nobody would say that. <laughs> well, let's see. My three daughters, Mike. I don't know. I'm originally from Chicago. Came here to Atlanta, really, for school. Uh, but I've never left since, so I've been here over 30-plus years, and I actually spent most of my adult life here. I'm a father of three girls. I've been married over 25 years to a wonderful wife who helps keep us all on the, uh, on the go and straight and narrow, which is terrific. I uh, started off in uh, the finance area with uh, a large accounting firm called KPMG. Back in the day, it was not quite that. It was a much smaller firm, and there was the big 10 and not the big four as they have today as audit firms. So that's kind of where I started my career and then eventually meandered out of that environment and into the private industry and just various roles from auditor to accounting manager to controller to CFO and business partner and and, uh, just a wonderful journey and a great experience. And here we are today getting a chance to talk and you and I have known each other for a number of years through our common mastermind groups that we've been a part of. Yeah, I was trying to think, is it 10, 11 years? Yeah, it's been it's been over 10 years, yeah. How about that? It's great. Mike, you told this story back on episode 11, but it's just one of my favorite stories. Your company is Trillium Financial. Why is it named that? <laughs> 
Well, you know, it was funny. When I was getting started, I had a colleague of mine who said, put a story with the name. So when you name your company, put a story to it. And uh, she said, it's best if, you know, even though you're going to be doing professional service work, she said, don't name it after you. You know, Mike Iverson Services or Mike Iverson CFO. Or put a name to it and put a story on it. So I was sitting around one night bantering with my wife going, I'm not exactly sure what to do here. And she's like, well, one of the things that my wife and I would do is we love the Western Carolina mountains and we'd go hiking up there. And I'm not the best identifier of plants and so on, but I could always pick out a trillium for sure as on our hikes. And so I said, well, that's an interesting name. And she said, yeah, that, that, I think that is an interesting name because, you know, there's some, some validity to just the trillium name itself. That's not beyond, that's beyond a flower. And I said, what do you mean by that? She's like, well, think about it. We have uh, some daughters, right? So the journey with them started on the third day of the third month of the third millennium. We found out we were having triplets. And so that's kind of the spawning of the name Trillium and going, well, the flower sounds great, but that's even better yet. That was the, the impetus really for saying that's the name. It's got to be that. So Trillium Financial is where I'll keep it. I love it. Now, Mike, let's go back to when you found out that you were you were having a child. So you're like, okay, let's have one child. And then you find out it's three. What was that like? <laughs> well, let's see. Um, when we found out, the physician or my wife's physician that we were with, she's like, um, well, please come on into my office. Let me give you guys uh, some paper bags because it looks like you could use a little uh, calming down. And so, uh, yeah, I was just sort of floored completely. And um, <laughs> we both were overjoyed, but yet at the same time overwhelmed. So it was one of those things where you're like, okay, well, we've got quite the journey ahead and let's see what we need to do. And it's been a great one. And the girls are now in their 20s, and it's terrific. It's been a great journey so far. Amazing. Well, I mentioned earlier you came on and helped the Rising Tide Mastermind understand some things that were going on in the pandemic. No, Nobody knew how to survive a pandemic. Nobody knew how to financially plan during a pandemic. There were no books that were written on that. You came in, you gave us some tips, you gave us some metrics, some things to look at so we can make sure our company stayed healthy. You told us about some of the government plans that were going on. Um, now, as a CFO, you've endured the pandemic. The companies you've worked with have endured the pandemic. What's your outlook for post-pandemic? I'm very positive post-pandemic. I think, you know, with it, the the financial impact that we all felt was one that we applied from a health perspective. The economy was very strong going into it. Um, and as a matter of fact, it was still very strong, really underlying it. It's just the fact that we had this health pandemic that we needed to you know, quell. And uh, so we had to do some things that were pretty severe, and that impacted us uh, economically. But coming out of it, I see a lot of positive signs. I see a lot of pent-up demand. I see customers, some of mine, who actually shine very nicely through it, believe it or not. Now, they were in different industries that weren't as impacted. So, for instance, you know, we all needed to go to the grocery store, still needed to feed ourselves. So those who were servicing that industry did just fine. As a matter of fact, had some of the best years they've ever had. Hospitality, another story. Very difficult. And, uh, the travel and, and hospitality, entertainment, restaurants. But they're coming back out. 
And those who sort of planned and prepared for, you know, just basically saying, the I call it the uh, oops factor, you know, or you never know, there's a black swan that's going to come your way and you don't know what it is. Um, it can be economic. It can be something else uh, that just totally hits you out of the blue. It could be losing a very large client that you thought, hey, I've got this in the bag. It's a contract. It's there. You know, we've had a great relationship for many, many years, but then all of a sudden it's gone. So those clients that were prepared, had enough cash on hand, monitored their businesses uh, closely, I think they found themselves meandering through it much stronger than others who were, who were not as, as well planned. And the government programs did help a lot, for sure. We had talked about that in the previous episode. They came around with another round of PPP loans. A, a few other you know, restrictions to it, but very similar to the first round, but some restrictions to the second round. And then recently with the EIDL loans, um, they've allowed for some expansion on that. Uh, originally a certain amount, now you can borrow um, a little bit more to help with some capital. Because I think what they're looking for is how can we get businesses to invest, invest in ways that will um, propel us forward from this point. And some of the economists I listen to that I like, they're seeing positive signs. They feel like we'll still go through the cycles like we normally do. Recessions come, you know, and go. And so we'll have those, but they see mostly a good, reasonable trajectory at this point. So do I. Well, we all hope that you are right. I do too. We are long overdue for for getting past all of this. We're all ready for it. We certainly are. Mike, on one of our regular meetings, you and I were having lunch together. We were looking at some numbers. Uh, You were asking me not only about our company, but also about retirement. And that got us into a whole conversation that I had the aha moment that this would be a fantastic podcast. As you know, with my work with the Rising Tide Mastermind and speaking with some of the people in there, we'll talk about retirement. We'll talk about how they're they're putting money away. And a lot of people do a great job and they have a, a good history of saving for themselves. But there, there are some people, and, and it's mainly younger people, they will look at their retirement or whatever financial vehicle that their company set aside for them or something that they can do personally, that they're locking their money up. So I don't want to lock my money up. I want to be able to use it when I need to use it. And that got us talking about what what do people need to know about retirement? Why is that locking up mindset just not the right mindset that they need to have? And, and the last thing I'll mention about our conversation is you said that we need to treat things as if we were paying a bill. We need to treat ourselves that way because we, we would pay the electric company. We would, we would pay the gas company, but we're the last people that we pay. So I'm trying to wrap that entire conversation up. I just need to ask you about it. So, so where should somebody start with that? Why, is, why do they need to change their mindset and what do they need to do? Finance, it's funny. Folks say, you know, it's it's all about the numbers. But uh, whether it's business finance or personal finance, at least over the years, I've, I've come to believe this for myself. It's about 80% behavior and 20% math. We can all do the math. One plus one equals two, so, et cetera. We get all that. Uh, I think where we lose it is just sort of, uh, you know, financial behaviors we have. And so a lot of that is going to be your mindset. 
so for me, I know when I was starting out, while you'd think a finance guy would have a leg up, right? Not necessarily. I know plenty of folks who struggle with this that are bankers or accountants or other financial uh, folks, um, and they struggle with it just like all the rest of us do. And again, it comes back to behavior. So I know when I was starting out, I'm not sure what got me to do this, but I always said to myself, if I pay myself first, if I take that off the top and I leave what's left over to live on, then I know that's, that's the pot of money I get to budget for all my other living expenses. And so if I take it off the top, I won't see it. I won't feel it. And that's where that 401k, the time when I was with a company and even with my own current company, I do it that way because I don't see it. It's out of sight, out of mind. And it's an easier way for me to sort of plan and budget. Some folks, when they hear the word budget, they're just like, oh my gosh, they run. And it's like, it's like the antithesis of, of what they want to do. And so there's, there's been some mindset around, well, you know, you don't necessarily have to budget per se, but maybe what you think about is this pot of money over here is what I get to spend. This pot of money over here is going to retirement and it's going to also for my rainy day fund, for example, that I always espouse for businesses and individuals to have. You know, you, you, things are going to happen. You're going to have things in the house break. You're going to have things in your business with equipment break and you need cash on the side in order for that to be fixed. So that's where I get to that mindset of let's, you know, put it off on the top and that way then what's left over I get to work with. I think what scares some people too is they're like, well, I don't know what to put my money in. I mean, there's just a whole bunch of stuff out there and it gets confusing. Um, they, you know, I didn't even know a lot about it, but really this area, when I combine business finance and personal finance, I personal side of it is really, it's like a hobby for me. It's kind of scary. You know? It's like, really, really, I geek out on that kind of stuff. My kids just laugh at me. They're like, oh my gosh, here he goes again. Dad the geek, you know, with his finance stuff. And so I've just been learning about it for the last 35, 40 years. Books I've read that run the gamut from, you know, the Bulgerhead books to The Simple Path to Wealth by J.L. Collins to Tony Robbins' book. Um, on, uh, I forgot the name of the title of the book. I recently read his and just a whole host of other uh, resources like Kiplinger's Magazine. So I would get involved in reading all that material and then trying to figure it out for myself. And, you know, what it comes back to is you get into the market and you invest and if that's where you're comfortable some people aren't and i get it but if you look at the history of that the market has always gone up in the long run always back you can go back 100 plus years now does that mean it goes up all the time every year no it goes up and down it's volatile in the short term but in the long term 30 40 50 years it's always going up and so when I started doing it myself, I started putting money aside and then I thought, well, I really need that. Um, so that way someday I want to be able to retire or at least if I don't retire, I can have this pot of money so I can go do something maybe that feels, you know, a different uh, season of life where I can do some different type of work. And the amount of, of pay I get from it is irrelevant. 
I have all their savings set up. It's been in the market. It's grown for, for years. Um, so I just simply put stuff aside and I started, you know, looking at simple ways of doing it, like index funds, mutual funds. Um, and I encourage all my business owners, I mean, if you are not setting aside um, your money on a, even at least a pre-tax basis, then you're losing out on a lot of great um, ability to retire long-term using this, what Einstein calls the eighth wonder of the world, compound interest. There you go. And, you know, he says, I like the saying, he, he says, uh, there are those who understand it, and there are those who pay it. Well, well, let me ask you about compound interest. So once once upon a time, I was in my early 20s. Now I'm in my mid-40s. What's the difference if I started saving back at 25 versus 45? It can be huge. So there's been studies done, and I, I'm not going to get any of the numbers quite right, but they do a little example of a person who invests from age 21 to age 30 investing $1,000 or so a year. And then they look at a person who starts investing at the age of 40 or 50, right around there. And what they find is that person who just invests from age uh, in his 20s and then stops, doesn't invest ever again. And then the person who starts investing that same amount of money around the ages of 40 or so and continues that all the way up to the age of 60 or so, the guy that's the 20-year-old investor has more money than the guy that started late. And he's put more in. The eighth wonder of the world. And it's just that thing. It's like once you start compounding it, you know, it's interest on $1, interest on $2, interest on $5, interest on $10. And then eventually, you know, what's the difference between earning 8% on $100,000 versus 8% on $500,000? It's different. It's huge. And so you just keep adding that on top of each other, especially in a 401k that is uh, you know, a pre-tax, non-taxable account. And all that compound interest is adding up inside that account over the years. I liked what um, uh, I forgot who I was listening to. I think it was uh, J.L. Collins in one of his podcasts. He's an author of the book, Simple Path to Wealth. Uh, he was talking about an interview he had with John Bogle. Uh, Vanguard. John Bogo is what they call it, the grandfather of the mutual fund industry. He essentially helped uh, invent mutual funds, and index funds, I should say, mutual index funds. Uh, and he said, you know, if it were him, what you do is take some money, you put it in on a regular basis into a mutual index fund, forget about it. Do it every year. Don't ever look at the statement, nothing. And then open it up when you're at the age of 60 and you'll be really surprised with how much you've got. It's just that compound interest is amazing. Mike, during our lunch, we started talking about my retirement and I gave you the question, well, how do I know that I have enough? And you gave me a formula, which I just thought was brilliant because it was simple. Can you share that with us? Sure. Well, what we were talking about was, you know, years ago, a lot of what I heard from the planning arena was, well, have at least 75 or 80% of your current income replenished. And the income is not really what drives um, planning uh, 
especially these days. And when you think about it, it's not the income. It's really what you spend. Okay. So if you spend all your income and then some, I mean, that really is not a measure of then having 75% of your income here. You're not going to be able to retire because you're spending more than your income. So what I've come to uh, study and, and look at, there was, a, there was a study that was put out. I can't remember if it was 10, 15 or so years ago. It's been a while. Called the Trinity Study. And it was done by Bill Bengen. And the Trinity Study basically looked at, over time, various different market cycles. You know, what amount could you actually pull out of a portfolio of mixed investments um, that you could pull out comfortably for at least a 30-year span and not run out of money? And what they came up with at the time was 4%. So at the end of the day, meaning if I had a portfolio of, let's say, just a million dollars, then that would say that I could pull out $40,000, do that on a consistent basis, and probably for the next 30 plus years, not run out of that money. Now, there's different theories and there's different, you know, folks have come back and said, well, you're not taking certain things into account, which, true, there's probably different, uh, they call it sequence of returns, and I'm not going to go into what that means, but essentially, when you go back and you look at it, what is a real simple way to look at least something that would give you a sense of what to look for in terms of your retirement dollars? And so I use that as just a simple gauge to tell me how much in terms of investments or whether it's you know in the market or whether it's even real estate and the cash that comes off that real estate. I basically use that as my marker to say, okay, if I spend, and let's just take some simple numbers. If I spend $50,000 a year and I need to get that amount of money off of my investments, then what's 4% of a portfolio to give me $50,000? Well, that would be basically a portfolio of about $1.2 Now, sometimes that's like, oh my gosh, that's scary. That's a lot of money. But I talked to you about that investor who might have started at the age of 20 and invested. And again, I don't know the exact dollars, but it probably is $1,000 or $2,000 a year at least. But at the end of the day, when you looked at it, you were like amazed that by the time they turned 65, they would have over a million dollars in their pre-tax 401k account because it's compounded over the year. So I say all that, it at least gives you a way to say, well, how much do I spend annually? And then come up with at least a number that gives you a guidepost to say, well, this is about how much I might need. And then you work with a financial planner and somebody who is an expert in this field who can then kind of tweak that and give you more um, guidance in terms of models and your, your specific needs. And, and that way you can kind of narrow it down and tweak it. But I've always just sort of followed along that. I've enjoyed listening to folks in the financial independence movement like J.O. Collins and, and others. And... Um, and he's lived that sort of process, I want to say, if I recall correctly, certainly over 25 years or more. So that's what you and I were talking about. And I at least give you a sort of a, okay, what's it look like? What, should I, what, what do I think I need? 
and then you can then go from there and at least have a number to understand. So somebody's out there listening and they're saying that they've got to replace $50,000. That was the example that you gave us. And divided by 4%, that would be 1.2 million. And let's say they do that math and that is a scary number because they don't have anything near that. So their two options is they need to start putting a bunch of money away or they need to get more return on their investment. Are either of those things really possible with coming out of a pandemic, with the things that we're going to see coming up? I'm just curious. What are your thoughts on that? Well, you know, a lot of it will depend on savings and how much you can put away. I mean, there's no doubt about it. I mean, uh, there's that old uh, proverb that says, you know, when should you plant a tree? Well, 20 years ago or now, right? When's a good time? So whether you started 20 years ago or whether you're like, gosh, I'm in my 40s or I'm in my 50s and I got to start now, well, start now. And then what you can do is you figure out what could I do? What do I feel I could do over these next 10, 20, 30 years of putting money aside? What could that look like? And then certainly, you know, it's a risk reward when you go into um, investing, for instance, into the market where I do, you know, I'm, I'm not a real estate person because I don't know real estate well. So I'm just, I know companies and I know the market better than that than, than real estate. So uh, you can go and if you want to raise your risk tolerance and, you know, go mostly all equity and make some, a lot of small cap equity, you might juice up your returns and get higher level of returns um, over a period of time. But you just got to realize it's a wild ride too. And you got to be able to have the stomach to say, okay, I can handle that. Uh, or you have a little bit lower return because you're not going to, you want to mitigate some of that risk. I think the hard part is, um, I'll give you an example for me. Back in 07, 08, you know, we had the great recession. What a perfect time to go, oh my gosh, I can't, I can't take it. I got to get my money out of the market, you know, pull it all out. Well, I had the stomach. I go, no, I'm not doing that because I know it's going to come back. I know it will in the long run. I'm leaving it all in. And as a matter of fact, I'm going to add to it where I can because now stuff is on sale. So I know if, if, if I go to a store and I look at uh, some clothing or something that I want to buy or a piece of a, uh, electronic equipment and, it's more expensive than I'm willing to pay. Then I wait, you know, until it goes on sale. And then it goes on sale. It's like, oh, great. I'm going to buy that. Same thing with um, when the market is going down. For me, that's a sale. And I want to buy more if I can because I know it's going to come back up. And sure enough, you know, 10 years later, I had more than recovered from what the downturn was and have experienced great returns. Now, Here's a, an interesting thing about that, and I'm, I don't have the specifics on this, but in general, if you um, timing the market, folks feel like, oh, I can time, I can get out now and then go back in later. But basically, at the end of the day, over like a 20-year span, there are basically maybe a dozen or two dozen periods of time that actual returns really contribute to the 20-year return that you get. 
So it's not that many days. It's not that many periods of time. And so for someone to try to figure that out is near impossible. So I've always been a proponent of, for me and for any colleagues and business owners, stay with it, stay in it in the long run. And you will always see that it will pan out and you will see growth. At least I have. And I've been in the market now through 1987's Black Monday, through the early 90s recession, 2001 recession, and burst of the internet bubble, and the 07, 08, 09 real estate. Been through all of those. Stayed in the market and have been glad that I did ever since. Mike, in our trusted advisors group, one of the things we try to hold each other accountable to is that we're getting annual physicals from our doctors. Because if, if we're not healthy, nothing else matters. Is it as important to do the same type of checkup on your finances? Definitely. I know for me personally, what I do is once a year, I sit down with my wife and we sit down with our advisor and advisors and go over our plan. Say, you know, how did we do last year? And then what are the plans for um, this next next year? What are some of the things we need to account for? Uh, so I'll give you a great example of, you know, a couple of years ago, my girls were heading off to college. Well, up to that point, we were meeting annually trying to make sure are we on track to help them get their college careers kicked off. And, and then as their college careers have gotten kicked off, now we're trying to make sure, okay, as we finish that, how does that, what's that plan? Is it executing the way we want it to? So I think absolutely, just like an annual physical for your health, the annual physical for your wealth. If you don't, then just like your health, if you let that slide on the other side, you let your wealth slide, it'll be the same result um, as if you let your health slide too. So both of them are very, very important um, in my eyes. Um, and it's really been uh, very helpful for, for me and my family. Mike, for somebody listening today and they want to become more financially savvy, what should they do? What should they read? It's a good question. So I've read a, just like a whole host of stuff. But some of the books that I've read over the years that I've really liked, one of the most recent ones that you and I talked about at our lunch was uh, J.L. Collins his book called The Simple Path to Well. I really like that. He wrote it in a way that he was actually writing to his daughter and doing it because I, as a father, know that sometimes when I would tell my kids, you know, or say, you know, you need to think like this or do this, or do, and they look at you and roll their eyes. And go, oh, oh, dad. Oh, dad. So I think it was really smart of him to go, you know what? When the student is ready, the teacher this year. And so, or it's sort of the saying, but, and so he decided I'm going to write the book that would give you the tools to teach you. And when you're ready as a student, you'll pick the book up and you'll read it. So I think that was a great way. Um, I've also read, um, you know, I think, I, again, I can't remember the title, but uh, Tony uh, Robbins, uh, he wrote a book on money management as well. I really like uh, Dave Ramsey's Total Money Makeover. If you are trying to get yourself out of debt, consumer debt, and on that pathway, I think it's a, a good book. I've given that to folks um, when they're in that situation and they really want to get back out of debt and into a more positive 
financial uh, foundation. So, um, and I've also over the years subscribed and uh, read Kiplinger's magazine over the years. They've had some good tips um, and good resources there. Those are the ones that are coming to the top of my head. But really, it's, you know, there's, there's a lot out there. I think the best thing is, is start with something that feels right for you. If it's a beginner's mindset or you feel you're further along than that, then get into some books that, that uh, the book, I mean, John Bogle wrote a book uh, also talking about investment. So I think if you look at some of those authors, what they've written, I think you'll find yourself in some good company with some um, good material to at least jump off and continue your your journey because I still read a bunch. I mean, I just read uh, you know several months ago Dale Collins' book. I hadn't read it before, but other books I've read you know twenty years ago. Always trying to learn. Well, I will make sure to have the ones that you mentioned on our show notes page so people can find those. Uh, Mike, let me ask: if you could only get one point crystal clear from today's interview, what do you want that point to be? For business owners, as well as for those who are employees of companies, and you're looking, everybody's working hard and doing the best they can today. Uh, look and make sure that you're always thinking about how can I set aside some money for my future, my future retirement, or maybe my future change of season. Some folks are like, I don't want to retire. That is, that's totally great. But you might want to pivot. What do you want to pivot to? Let's try to see if you can take financial situations or financial um, resources. Let's take that off the table. Make that something that's already done. It doesn't matter. It's it's um, taken care of. So then you can focus on really what is it that you're passionate about when you decide to either retire or change your, your pivot go into something that's different than what you're doing today. I have found that uh, to be sort of a really liberating for me. Um, I'm doing what I'm doing today because I truly enjoy it. Uh, and I've, I've been able to, to do so with uh, the ability to set things aside and then eventually give me a good solid foundation so that I can continue for however long I want to do it. And that's, that's a true blessing. So, if you haven't started today and you're, you're like, you've been sitting on the sidelines saying, I don't know what to do. I've got some savings. I don't know what to do with it. And get in, get and start investing or start researching or start reading about it. Um, take some action because there's no time like the present. And I don't care what age you are. It's never too late. It's definitely never too late. Plant the tree today. That's right. Indeed. Well, Mike, when you were on back in July of 2017, I asked you my first set of lightning round questions. Well, you've already answered those, so I've got a new round for you today. (laughs) Oh, okay. Are you ready? Fire away. I'm ready. All right. So my first question to you is, what would you say your superpower is? Um, You know, I just have an insatiable desire to learn and learn about things that I don't know what I don't know and continue that path and uh, realize that even as I've grown older, I won't say how old, but let's put it this way. I've been around a while. It's that ability to 
keep learning and keep reading because I do believe in that adage, leaders are readers. So that's uh, hopefully what I think of as the superpower. Well, Mike, I think your superpower is you're able to take a very complex subject and make it make complete sense to whoever you're talking to. And in addition to that, allow them to now use a tool that was too complicated for them before. And now they can actually take handles from your meeting and say, this is how I can run my personal finances. This is how I can run my business finances. You are fantastic at that. Thank you. And I think that's where you got the nickname, the numbers coach. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. That is true. All right, Mike, you now have a magic wand. You can change anything in the world. What would you change? Today, I think we're coming out of a pandemic where we all have, you know, kind of had some shell shock and just knowing that let's start getting back together when we can, when we feel comfortable and just having these great conversations, regardless of what our backgrounds are, where we've all come from, and just really get back into that robustness that I think we've had before that's been missing. I know I've, I've missed those types of conversations. So I'm really looking forward to, to getting back to that. Uh, I guess it's just a good civil discourse, you know, it is really what I'm looking for and excited about because I think it's coming. I think it is. It's just a, a matter of time. I hope you're right. I think we're all waiting for it, but we all need to be part of it. We all do. Indeed. Absolutely. Totally. Mike, the book that I read is escaping me, uh, but the point that the author was trying to make in this book was, if we look at our lifetime, there were seven pivotal moments that really changed the trajectory to get to where we are right now. What was one of those moments for you? Hmm. I'd say there were, there, there was two. One was, believe it or not, back in uh, college. I thought I was going to come out. I really wanted to go into marketing and sales, sales and marketing. But I had a class, and I, it just, for some reason, it wasn't working for me. I, I don't know what it was. But I remember talking to my dad and saying, it just doesn't feel, I just don't know what to do. And so his advice was, well, look, why don't you look at going into something like finance or accounting or something of that nature? Because if you can learn the numbers behind the business, then even if you go back out into sales and marketing, then at least you'll understand the numbers and I'll give you a chance to, you know, maybe help your customers even more because you know some of the financial implications behind things. So that's what started me into accounting and finance and I never left. (laughs) So um, I think that was pivotal because I I wasn't looking at this profession at all. It was not even on the radar. I think the other was our girls. Um, that was a pivotal moment. So having triplets changes things is what you're saying? <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> it sort of gave us this uh, moment like, wow, things are going to change drastically from zero to 60. Uh, so it was quite uh, a change. But at the same time, um, it also gave me the impetus because I was going out on my own, and my own business at the time. And it really made you think, okay, I got to hustle. I've got to make this work. I got to put food on the table, roof over our head and clothes on our back. And we really got to make this work. And I think that was also pivotal. 
Mike, my last question for you, what modern convenience can you just not live without? <laughs> uh, my kids and uh, wife will laugh at this, but for Father's Day one year, they got a coffee maker for me. That's these one shot. It's a Nespresso coffee maker. And I love coffee. I'm a coffee aficionado. And we discovered this on one of our trips over to Europe in Vienna. And uh, I was like hooked. And it makes some of the best coffee I've ever had. It's like every morning I get to have my own little latte at home. And it's one of those things where when I go away and I come back, I know how much I miss it uh, when, I, when I don't have it. So it's one of those small little pleasures that I enjoy. Mike, if I had a card where I was going to guess what that was, I, I would have I put that up because you've told me about that coffee maker and other people about it. I know that's one of your favorite things. So we should have put money on that to see if I could have guessed that. <laughs> yes. Mike, thank you so much for coming on the Scaling Up H2O podcast again. And again, teaching us a lot of things that we need to start doing and giving us some ways to start if we haven't yet. Now, if people want to reach out to you and learn about the services and the tools that you provide, how can they do that? Well, they can go to uh, trilliumfinancial.com uh, or they can certainly email me you know, directly to at mike at trilliumfinancial.com. But uh, going to the website, they'll see what, what I do and some of the, the products and so on that we, we offer as well. Um, and certainly, you know, for your audience, if they have questions or they're, they're like, you know, need clarifications on some of the things that we have talked about here today. Well, Mike, it was great talking with you today and I'm sure we'll have you back again. Well, thank you, Trace. It's been an, uh, a true joy and uh, great uh, to be again with you. Thanks again. Mike, thanks for coming back on Scaling Up H2O. As I mentioned in the introduction, Mike is one of my good friends. Mike just knows so much about finance, and he's one of these guys that can look at spreadsheets and just glean all this wisdom from the numbers. And when he comes over for a visit, he will look at our numbers and he will tell me things that I only know about the business. So folks, if you are not getting the data from your numbers, I can't look at them the way that Mike does. But because I know Mike and because Mike comes to help us out, he lets me know what he sees. He teaches me so I can see better what he sees. And with all that, I'm able to make better decisions. Mike is actually one of the people that I first mentioned the idea of starting this podcast to. Mike was in my mastermind group and I told him about it and everybody else. And he was one of the strongest encouragers for me to start this podcast. That was a little more than four years ago. And I'm so glad that I've had people like Mike that can encourage me. And I'm going to return the favor because Mike is thinking about starting his own podcast. Well, Mike, you did a great job here. This is not the first time you've done a great job here. I mentioned that you were on an episode before, uh, but I know that you've been on at least two other episodes. 
You have been sharing knowledge with the Scaling Up Nation for years, and there's no doubt about it, you have a lot to share. So the Scaling Up Nation and everybody out there in the podcasting world wants you to start your podcast. So come on, Mike, the world is waiting. I started off talking about how I met Mike through the mastermind. And of course, I've started a mastermind called the Rising Tide Mastermind. And we talk about that on the podcast. So I'm sure you've heard about the mastermind before. One of the things that we do is we read books together. And then we talk about what are the different things that all the different readers in the mastermind are getting out of that book and how are we gonna help each other do something with that information? Well, one of the books we just finished reading together was called Procrastinate on Purpose by Rory Vaden. And folks, this is such a neat book to help us figure out where to spend our time. And we're never going to get any more than 24 hours in a day. But if you can use certain techniques to do something now so you don't have to do it later ever again, Rory calls that a multiplier, and he starts to get us to think, and what are the things that we can do to multiply our time so we don't have to spend time doing it again? It's a great read. You're going to find out so much stuff about how you should be spending your time and techniques to spend that time. In fact, Rory's going to be on this show in just a few short months to discuss this book. But I want to talk about a concept that we really grabbed onto within the Rising Tide Mastermind. It was the value of your time. And specifically, Rory references the money value of time or the MVA. And simply what that is, is what is your time worth? Now, how you figure that out is you take your income and you divide it by the average hours worked. So here's the example. Let's say someone makes $40,000 a year. The average hours worked in a year is 2,080 hours. So if I divide 40 by 2,080, I get $19.23. So I know that if I'm doing anything or if I'm not doing something that's not equal to more than $19.23, I shouldn't be doing it. Maybe I can hire that. Maybe I can pay somebody else to do that. And now I have the opportunity, especially if we are involved in activities such as sales, that I can drive that number up. So his point was, so many of us don't do that because we don't have time to do that. But if we look at where we're spending our time, are we really spending our time on things that will make that MVOT go up and allow us to get a higher value for our time? Now, a lot of people say they don't have time to make sales calls. And I can't help but remember my story that I've shared with you before, but it really applies here. So endure me as I tell it again. My business coach, Tim Fulton, and I were meeting and he asked me if I was going to do all these various things that I said I needed to do, but didn't have time to do them. And he asked, what was I going to do as soon as I left this meeting? And I told him I was going back to the office and I was going to cut the grass. 
Tim then smiled and asked me how much would I charge one of my customers to cut their grass. That immediately got me thinking about the MVOT, the money value of time. And if I paid somebody to cut the lawn around my office, I can then do activities that would allow me to make way more than what it costs me to get somebody to cut the grass. And of course, that helped me grow the business, which allowed my business to support more people. It allowed me to take time on my relationships, which meant my quality of life greatly improved. And that was all because somebody took the time to share with me, am I spending my time properly? Think about that term, spending your time. If you were going to buy something and you knew it was going on sale next week, most likely you would wait for it to go on sale because you would get more for your money. Spending your time, I believe, is that expression because if we look at where we're going to use our time, we need to make sure that we're getting the most out of it. So I urge you to consider spending your time the same way as you spend your money. Well, speaking of time, it's now time to find out what our next James's challenge is. Hello, Scaling Up Nation. The next James's challenge as we grow as an industrial water treatment professional, drop by drop, is... Find and share parts per million, or PPM, analogies. A million is a large number to imagine. Parts per million can be even more nebulous and hard to fathom its true scale. There are some eye-opening analogies, such as 1 ppm is approximately equal to 1 minute in 2 years. What are some others? Please share your examples on LinkedIn by tagging them with hashtag JC21 and hashtag ScalingUpH2O. This is James McDonald, and I look forward to seeing what you share. Well, thanks, James. Nation, if you have an idea for a show, please go to scalinguph2o.com and let me know what that idea is. People were asking me some financial questions, so that's why we started this show. I want to make sure that I am bringing you exactly what you want to hear, and the only way I can do that is for you to let me know that. Folks, I can't wait to bring you a brand new Scaling Up H2O next week. Until the meantime, stay safe. Nation, almost two years ago, I started the Rising Tide Mastermind. We have over four groups and a waiting list for a new group. Folks, it is wildly successful. And what I mean by that is that we are able to process issues together and get new ideas about how we solve the issues that we all face day to day in ways that we might not have come up with on our own. Folks, look into the Rising Tide Mastermind to see if it is right for you by going to scalinguph2o.com forward slash mastermind. If what you see looks interesting, schedule an appointment with me and we will see if the group is right for you and you are right for the group.